Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. You're listening to episode number 37 of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Hey there, I'm so excited for you to join me today. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of the most crucial parts of teaching. And this isn't even the academic part. Any guesses what it might be? Two words, classroom management. Good classroom management is crucial for a smooth year, and so today we are going to take a closer look at what that looks like during pull-out groups, push-in sessions, and more. You should come away feeling ready with a plan for your classroom management to run smoothly this year. Ready to go? Let's dive in. Now, before we can even address setting up classroom management, what you have to realize is building relationships and trust is the most important place to begin. I know that if you have listened to me in any of these episodes previously, you'll hear that repeated over and over again, because I cannot stress that enough. It's not about outward behavior that we just want these students to follow our rules to make it easier on us. It really is about building relationships and trust with our ELL students. And through that, we can create really strong classroom management. But without that piece, it doesn't matter what we try to incorporate, what we try to implement. If they do not respect you and have that trust and know that you are for them, that you enjoy having them in your classroom, that you want to do what's best for them, all of these other things won't happen. As we go into this school year, I really want to encourage you, take the time to build relationships. Take the time to get to know your students. It won't all happen in the first three days. 
It's something that we have to really have at the forefront of our minds throughout this whole first quarter of taking those opportunities to get to know our students in multiple different ways. Once we have that established, and we can do that hand in hand, we can get to know our students, we can let them get to know us, we can set up classroom management that works. And what I'm talking about is really helping have clear expectations for our students to thrive in. When they know what is expected, they are going to be able to fit into those parameters. They're going to have that framework, especially with our English language learners. When you're adding in that language component and cultural differences of maybe the school that they went to previously had different rules, had different mindsets about management, with ELL students, you're really focusing on a wide range of areas that you're working on to set up that classroom management that works. But our students thrive when they know what to expect. They thrive when they come into your classroom and know this is what I need to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And so we want to make sure that we're setting that up for them and for us to have that successful year. Now, we're going to first talk before we get into more of the nitty gritty. I want to talk about three ways that we can help our students to feel involved in the classroom management process. Okay, it's not about them coming in. We are telling them what they need to do, what they can't do. Here's the rules. Here's what we need to follow this whole year, and then it'll be a good year. Okay, that's not what we want to do. We want to have a community. We want to give our students choice. We want them to be a part of the process. When they are a part of the process, there is then buy-in. There is then responsibility on them to be a part of this process, to create this classroom that we all can thrive in, to create this community that's respectful and encouraging of one another. That all happens when there's discussion, when there's choice, and when it's coming from the whole group. Hey, teachers. I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your yellow students in a fraction of the time? I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need, proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. The first thing I think is to really talk about those rules in your classroom as a group. And for some of us, that might be hard to think, wait, what? They don't come in the first day and all the rules are already posted and I just tell them what they have to do? That's how I used to do it when I was working in Chicago in the public schools. I had all my rules already posted that went with my classroom theme and that was it. I told them the first day, here's what we're, here's our rules for the classroom. And that's where we went from there. But once I transferred and started teaching at the international school here in Panama, we did something different. We didn't even call them rules. These were called essential agreements. And essential agreements are very powerful because it's not the teacher telling you the rules you have to follow. It's coming up with what are the agreements in our classroom? 
What is essential for this classroom to thrive? for this group to get along, for this group to work together. And remember, these were students from all over the world. So many different cultural backgrounds, many different languages, all represented in my classroom. And that first day, we spent time talking about what was important to our classroom. Now, of course, as the teacher, you're going to have some ideas beforehand. You might have some written out that you want to kind of guide your students to. You know, I was working with first graders at that time. And so they would just brainstorm ideas. And so we would come up with, in the end, I still had an idea of where we were going to go with these essential agreements. But I gave them the opportunity to share, to speak, to give their opinion, to have choice, We then would kind of take those brainstormed ideas and break them down and put them into an overarching main idea. You know, instead of just having the rules of don't run in class, well, that was a discussion we had. Should we be able to run in class? Why shouldn't we? You know, what could happen? Really talking through what that looks like and why we don't do those things. There's such a difference in how your students respond when you talk through those things, when they're part of that discussion. We brainstormed, I might read a book that helps them understand, you know, the importance of classroom community, respecting each other. And we then we would kind of create these overarching essential agreements. So it might be a one or two day process. The first day we might just read a book, brainstorm, talk about it. And then the next day I might come up with those essential agreements that we all approve on, or we keep that discussion going with older students. You definitely can have more of that discussion that's happening or have them work in teams and come up with what they think is, you know, the most important part of the classroom running that year. So we would create four or five essential agreements. And these would be things like follow directions quickly or respect your teacher and peers, things like that, that we would just kind of have these broad statements, but they were easy to follow and understand. And then we would all sign them, the whole class, myself included. I was part of those essential agreements. I also had to abide by those essential agreements because it's not just them having to show me respect. It was me also respecting my students and showing that example. So we would sign these essential agreements. It might be on a big poster board or it might be typed up on a printed piece of paper. And we would post those essential agreements in the classroom. And it was a reminder throughout the year of those first couple days as we came together as a new classroom, a new community, and created agreements that we all were going to work on and abide by. Now, of course, that doesn't always happen, but it really changed the way my classroom responded was instead of just giving them the rules and telling them to obey them, just through that discussion was such a powerful way. Now, I know for some of you who teach newcomers, you're thinking, how can I do that? How can we have a discussion if they're newcomers? Well, you have to know your students. You might give them more very clear, simple rules and use visuals with it. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But you want to include your students in the process as well. You know, a book as simple as like, no, David, where it just kind of is a funny way to talk about the rules. You could do that with your students, with your newcomers, and then have them act it out. So they're not talking at all, but, you know, they're engaging with the rules of the classroom. And then as they develop in their skills, 
you can continue to work on those rules and maybe change some or add some through that discussion. That's number one way to have your students involved in the the classroom management process. The second way is to have space on the walls for students to add their own work. And this isn't necessarily classroom management, but I think it's so important to say because, again, when I think back to my classroom when I was in Chicago, it was a themed classroom, beach theme, and every part of the room was decorated, you know, with a theme, with a word wall, with the job chart, with the rules, with all the different subjects and what we we're highlighting. And as I thought about it, I just realized how little my students had in the process of their classroom. Classroom management also involves just that classroom environment. What are you setting up for your students? Are they a part of the process? Do they feel like this is their space as well? Or do they feel like a visitor in your space? And yes, beautiful things are nice. Having a themed classroom is not wrong. But what is the point of our classroom is to create a welcoming space for our students to thrive. And so if there is nothing, no place for them to really have their own work shown or an area that they get to participate in, that they get to create the bulletin board for, or something that they just are, they realize what's on the wall because they participated in that activity. I mean, how much of my wall, just thinking back now, my word wall was up high, out of the way. Nobody ever used it because those students didn't know what was up there. I just put it up there because I needed a word wall. Creating an environment that grows throughout the year where your students are engaging with what's on the walls and they're proud of the work that's going on the walls because they see themselves in that. They see the reflection of their hard work. Again, just something to think about as you go back to school. And then the last thing is to have your central grievance, your rules, your expectations, simple, clear, and with visuals. Okay, we want to include that visual piece. Maybe you take a picture of your students showing you how to do that rule or that expectation, what that looks like. We cannot underestimate the power of walkthroughs where they're they're showing you what does this, they're interpreting it, they're showing you what does this mean? What does this expectation mean? Let's take a picture of it. Let me remind you of what this is taking the time to go slow will pay off. We cannot assume that if we just say, respect your peers or, you know, listen when they're speaking, when somebody else is speaking, that they then know what that means. So we want to make sure to take the time. Once we have established those expectations or those agreements, then we take the time to walk through it, make sure that they're clear, they're simple to understand, and you have visuals to do with it. If you're in a school that does, you know, PBIS, where you already have your rules set, well, again, take that time, have the students brainstorm ideas. What does it mean to be safe? What does it mean to be respectful? What does it mean to be responsible? Let's take pictures of what that looks like, or draw a picture of that. There's so many ways that you can have your students actively involved in that process. And that really is where it begins. Now, many years ago, I went to a training that I thought was really insightful because they talked about thinking through the teach twos. That's different things that happen throughout the day 
that you should explicitly be walking through and teaching to your students. And we really underestimate this sometimes. Things as simple as when we walk in the hallway or when we get our hot lunch or when I get a drink from the water fountain, something so simple. But if we take the time at the beginning of the year to walk our students very explicitly through the expectation, we are going to see greater results because we know they should know what this looks like and how this should be played out during the day. If we have a student who is waiting in line for, or doesn't wait in line for the drinking phone, they just go right up, cut somebody off, get a drink, that turns into a blowout. Well, if we never taught them, here's the expectation, especially for our students who are coming from different countries, we don't know what that looked like in their school. If they had those rules and expectations, if it was a different setup for them, so they're not used to that, if it was a different setup for them. So we, so we don't want to assume and we don't want to underestimate the power of teach twos. So I'm going to go through a few teach twos for your different areas that you might be working in. Let's start with pull out sessions. Okay. So here's just some things to think through. And you will want to spend some time working with your students on what the expectation is so that they do it every time once you've set that expectation. During your pullout session, some things you want to think through is to have an expectation set or teach to of what they do when they come in your classroom. So whether you go and pick them up or they come right to your classroom, you want to already have prepared a teach to of here is what you do when you come in the classroom. If you don't, then you know what's going to happen. They're going to come in, they're going to be noisy, they're going to goof off. If they have no clear expectation, then they're going to do what kids do, understandably so. But if they know, okay, I need to wait outside in the hallway against the wall in a line until the teacher opens the door. And once I enter the classroom, I need to go get my book box or where however you store your materials and I need to go to my seat and there's going to be a speaking and writing prompt on the board that I'm going to start on right away. Imagine how different your class is going to begin if you set that expectation, if you work on that teach to, and for the rest of the year, that's what they know and that's how they respond. They rise to that expectation compared to just letting them come in however they want, wasting five or 10 minutes of the precious time you have with them because they're not ready to begin and they're not, they haven't gotten set up for that. So that's one to think about. The other one is what do you do when they leave your classroom? Okay. Do they put their materials away? Do they have to clean up the room? How do you handle that? How do they, who's in charge of cleaning up the room? There's a lot of those little things that our days are so packed and the students come and go so quickly that we forget. And then we end up spending time at the end of the day picking up our room and it's a disaster and we get frustrated because we're tired. And so how can we help our students be a part of that process? So thinking through what do you want, what does it look like when they leave your classroom? And then another thing in, if you're doing pullout sessions where you have a lot of different groups coming in that you'll want to have in mind before the school year starts is an expectation for where their materials are stored or how they're going to be stored. So if you have a lot of groups coming in, how are you going to do that? Do you have one section for 
each grade level you work with? Do they each have a book bin or a Ziploc bag filled with their materials they're working on? Thinking that through beforehand will help you throughout the year maintain that calmness, that peace in your classroom and that classroom management because you've set that expectation. Their materials should go in the Ziploc bag. Their Ziploc bag goes in their colored bin that goes with their group that they're working with, however you want to do it. But think that now through now so you're prepared and that you don't have to be battling that the whole year. Now let's talk about push-in sessions. So when you go in to the homeroom teacher to help support your students. One, something that's crucial here is to have those conversations with the homeroom teacher first. Do they want you to follow the same rules they have in the classroom? What are the rules in that classroom? How can you support that? Maybe you print up a visual sheet of the rules that are in the classroom and you bring that with you when you come in on a clipboard so they they are reminded that they still need to abide by those rules even when they're working with you in the classroom. It really begins with having that discussion with the homeroom teacher. Every teacher is different. Some teachers don't mind having another teacher come in and work with a small group, and that's fine. Other teachers really like the control and don't like having somebody come in and working with a small group, or it's just there's a lot of dynamics that go on. So I think to have a successful year in that aspect, Start with talking with the homeroom teacher and see what their preference is, what what annoys them if there's somebody coming in, a teacher who's yelling across the room and saying, hey, Edgar, time for class, come, let's go, and interrupting the class can get frustrating for some homeroom teachers. So how can you and your students be respectful of that time that you come in? So things to think through is, and to talk with your homeroom teacher is, do you have a set area in the classroom that they will come to you when you enter the classroom. That's something important to establish at the beginning of the year with the homeroom teacher, okay? When you come in, okay, can I have this back table? And maybe you just hold up a sign that says, you know, come meet with me now so you don't have to yell for the kids. And when they see that sign, they come quietly and meet with you. Again, that's that teach to to your students. Come in quietly, quietly pushing in their chair, quietly coming and sitting with you, with your materials. Those are all things to think through so that you don't have to have these conflicts later on in the school year. Another thing is if you are going to be walking around supporting different students, how are they supposed to get your attention if they need some help? So maybe you provide some flip cards, some red, green, and yellow flip cards to them. Green means they're good, they're working, they don't need help. Yellow, you know, means When you have a second, can you come help me? Or red means, hey, I need help right now. I'm stuck. Giving that to your students that you work with and then being able to scan the room quickly and quietly will help you support your students without them interrupting and disrupting the lesson and the class. So thinking through those types of things is really crucial. Also, if your homeroom teacher can sit some of the students together that you work with, That might be another way for you to better support the students when you come in the classroom. And then if you are getting some students and you're pulling them, you know, how do you want that to look? Do you, again, have a sign? You wait at the door. When they see you, they should be coming quietly. Just having that all set up beforehand and when you have the time to think through will help you to focus on the teach-tos that are going to help your year run really smoothly. 
What about the behavior side of classroom management? I really believe in positive reinforcements. Okay, we don't want to make our kids feel like they're not obeying the rules or they're on the spot or that they're going down on the the flip chart or whatever, those types of things. And in my early days, I used the card system and I really regret it now. I, I don't think that it's appropriate for our students. I think it's really demeaning. I mean, I remember in sixth grade when I had to get a check mark up next to my name and I had to go write the check myself because I was talking and it, it has stayed with me for that many years. So we don't want to do that to our students. We really want to find the positive ways and really encourage them in that. One I love is the whole brain teaching method. I think that's fantastic for ELLs for many, many reasons, but I love the competition of the class versus the teacher. So I can provide some links for this if you're not familiar with this, but essentially it's a competition between the class and the teacher. So if they beat you, if they get more tally marks than you, then maybe they get an extra recess or, you know, they get to play a fun game or something like that. But during a lesson, it's something that's very quick and just easy to kind of make it at them versus you. So if they're talking, then you get a point. But if they're paying attention, listening quietly, then they get a point. So it's just kind of a way for them to work together as a class instead of individual students. Another way is if you do have a student that is struggling following the expectation, I do like check-in charts, you know, an individual folder where that student brings it to you. It's not something that the class has to know about. It's really an individual. It's on an individual basis. And the reason I do like this is because so many times behavior problems stem from just that desire to be seen, the desire to be known. And so having a check-in chart is a great way to connect with that child and to really build in that positive reinforcement, to build in that encouragement that so many of those students are looking for. And so Either if you can set that up and be the check-in person, or if you can find another teacher in the school that has a few minutes at the beginning of the day and the end of the day to check in with that student, we've seen huge success when that positive relationship with the teacher and student is built and they are accountable for their behavior and they're, they're setting goals and they're growing in that. Another way is, and this I use with the younger kids, but I think you could use it with older kids as well, is to have a mystery student. And my students absolutely love this. And so what I would do is every morning I would pick a stick from the jar and I would have that person be my mystery student. Well, the students didn't know who that was. And so throughout the day, I would say, oh, I'm looking to see if the mystery student is walking quietly in the hallway or, oh, I'm seeing if my mystery student is on task and working hard. And this would get them all, oh, maybe I'm the mystery student. And they get really excited. And at the end of the day, if the mystery student made it, you know, had a successful day, they would get to be my helper for the next day. We had like a VIP person. I did that instead of doing jobs because I didn't like to have 10 different jobs that I had to figure out (laughs) and I'd forget to change the jobs and it was just added stress on me that I didn't need to do. So instead of having jobs, this mystery student would then get to be my helper the next day. They got to sit in a special VIP desk And everything that I needed that day, they would get to do. So for calendar, they were the helper for if I needed, you know, someone to go take a note to another teacher, they were the person that did it. They were the line leader, everything. And so it really helped my students. 
just that mystery factor one really helped to motivate them, get them on track if they were off task. And they loved being that special VIP person. So that's a really simple way that you can set up a routine that the students really get engaged with and really enjoy. We had a class pet, they would get to take it home. So it's just like a big deal that they were chosen to be this person. And especially when it was my students who did have tend to have more behavior problems, they really, you could see just how proud they were when they were the mystery person and they had a good day. So Those are just a few ways that you can set up some positive classroom reinforcement this year. But again, the most important thing is that they feel safe in your classroom to take risks. That's what we're creating when we create our classroom management, when we're creating our classroom communities. We want to make sure that all our students are feeling safe and welcomed inside our classroom. Those are just some ideas to get you started. I would love to hear what else that you are doing to set up a positive classroom environment this year. Now, also, I want you to grab a free visual chart of different classroom routines and rules to help you get set up with incorporating these classroom management strategies in your classroom this year. You can click that in the show notes and grab that free chart to get you started for this upcoming year. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love, love, love if you took just one or two minutes to write a review and let me know how these episodes are helping you get ready for this upcoming school year. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.